He's, he's actually the most, probably the most honorable person in the entire film. Right. Mm -hmm. um, Very interesting character, and just the whole, you know, the whole, uh, that whole side of things, the Jordanian um, Secret Service. Mm -hmm. Tried to grab my glasses and they weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, one of the things I really enjoyed about this, um, I mean, you mentioned that, the characters, and I really enjoyed how they they show you, I mean, it's pretty, but this is a movie that shows you really good the differences between how they run their espionage, the Middle East, and the U.S., but they don't do it overtly. They just show you through the characters and the characters' cultures. Um, you know, whereas Mark Strong is very concerned with trust, and it's interesting to see him less technological, you put, you get a person, you put him in there, and, um, you know, when they take that guy and they give his parents, his, his mother, all these things, he's essentially just taking a bet. He's just guessing that this guy is going to pay him back. Mm -hmm. You know, he doesn't hold anything else over him. He's just hoping that this works. It's very, not only is it old school, but it's a completely different technique from the satellites that Russell Crowe's character that Ed Hoffman is using all the time. And it's interesting to me because it's almost uh, using redemption as a tactic rather than torture. Because mm -hmm. um, even the American Secret Service was using torture to mm -hmm. you know, try to find out the information. And, I don't know. So it, it took a lot of turns that I didn't expect it to take. Mm -hmm. How did you guys feel about the... Because um, this is something I was kind of... Uh, as I was watching, I was wondering, how did you feel about the slight, uh, the romance with the girl that the Leonardo Iranian, the, the Iranian nurse? The Iranian nurse, Aisha. Yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio meets this Iranian nurse, Aisha. How did you feel about that? Well, that's, that's kind of, I don't think I like this movie as much as you guys did. Mm -hmm. Um, which I'm not sure why, because the performances were amazing, mm -hmm. I thought. Um, the story was interesting. But, like, ultimately, I found it forgettable. I don't think that it's this not gonna is going to be a favorite of mine, yeah. Yeah, this isn't, and I'm not, I'm not sure if it's just, because it, I wouldn't say it's just a generic or it follows all the obvious plot points or anything like that. Because it doesn't do that. It doesn't do that, but there's something about it that just, I enjoyed it while watching it, but it's sort of like, when you sit down to watch TV and you don't really care what's on, and you're just experiencing it, and okay, I, I could have got up and walked away at any time. I didn't really feel that invested in it. Like I said, I'm not sure why, uh, because the performances were incredible. I thought Russell Crowe was amazing, completely transformed. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio was amazing. The, even that girl. The girl was really She good. was really good actress. I thought their relationship was a little I mean, she forced. Hit, well, yeah, but she had um, some of the subtlety of yeah, yeah. How, how far she can go with liking this guy. and how Yeah. She handled that really well. I thought... Really, was really... Gullship to Farahani? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I thought she, her as an actress and the way they interacted was good. I just thought the fact that there needed to be a romantic relationship there was a little forced. Um, they played the, it. It definitely felt like a plot device. Gives him something to lose. Yeah, mm -hmm. but uh, it was 
played well enough that it, you know, there was substance to it. Yeah. There's no unnecessary love scene. She she doesn't she doesn't I feel like she doesn't break out of character for him or anything. You but know, that shows some interesting cultural differences too. Mm -hmm. You know, in the way that he has to approach her, that's culturally acceptable. The scene where he like reaches out his hand and after dinner and she she can't take it. She can't touch him can't in public. But you can see, you know, he focuses on her hands. You can see that she kind of, she wants to. Yeah, but it, was a, it was a really nice just, scene, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so that, I mean, there are great moments in this, and it's, overall, it's a really well-made film. Mm -hmm. But there was nothing about it that... Is it because there are so many movies similar to this nowadays? It could be. This is almost a genre unto itself. The, the kind of Iraq Middle Eastern, Eastern comment on mm -hmm. the the war on terror and things like that. It's just becoming the yeah. same thing over and over. And I think this was a little more nuanced than others. And we gotta remember, this was two years ago? Yeah. Right. And in two years, you're right, this has become a genre. What was the recent one with uh, the Green Zone? The Green Zone with Matt Damon, yeah. It's that one. Yeah, that one felt dated immediately. I felt like um, I felt like it was, it was trying to almost like I found this shocking that there were no WMDs, and yeah. this this just came out this year. So yeah. here we are in 2010, and basically the the plot of the movie hinges on this shocking revelation that there are no WMDs in Iraq. <laughs> Which is a revelation that's already, what, six mm -hmm. years old or yeah. something like that. I mean, that's why this one did. This movie did it right. Is that they didn't focus on the war in Iraq. They no. focused more on this whole. The relationship yeah, is talked about. The, yeah, it's it's talked about. But they yeah, spent most time in Jordan, the consequences Syria, of Turkey, there being a war in Iraq on the surrounding countries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when. When was the set? I, I the soccer game. I read trivia. The soccer game was that they portrayed on TV was two thousand three. Uh, that when the little boys are watching the soccer game, mm -hmm. that's a soccer game from two thousand three. So I'm not sure. Is that if that? That's the thing. I'm not sure if that was intentional or, or if they just found some soccer footage. Yeah, I don't know because he said he watched Poseidon on the plane over, didn't he? Is, he did make that mention, yeah, he said, watch that. That movie came out in 06. Watch that Versailles movie. Yeah. I love... So it. I think it was... Yeah. So not... Recent. It would probably be around the time that it came out. Maybe like a year or two before. Wait, I would say it was no more than a, a year, a year and a half old. Yeah. The plot, so... But you're right, it doesn't really pick a time, it doesn't pick... No. It allows itself to kind of float around that whole... You, you mentioned Russell Crowe, something... post 9-11. Yeah. I loved uh, the fact that most of what Russell Crowe does, he's, he's still spending time like with his family. He's still working. Yeah. So, like, Leonardo I... DiCaprio will be in the middle of the desert, and he'll be at, like, a soccer game. <laughs> or, like, you know, his wife comes right out. And I just, I love that sense. I also like the fact that he never goes and gets in an action scene. Yeah. You know, the two times he goes over... It's just for meetings, and then he goes right back, you know? <laughs> I think, actually, Russell Crowe was my favorite part of this film. Just because of... 
he's an amazing actor. But this, I mean, he was like a completely different human being in this. He reminded me more of John Goodman than, not as far as personality, but his looks. I mean, he transformed into another person. And uh, it sounded like a different person. I mean, imagine him in this, side by side with him in Robin Hood. Two completely different people. Yeah. And it, that's just the. I mean, obviously he gained some weight for the role, but other than that, I feel like that's what Russell Crowe does. He he gains weight for one movie, the next movie he has to lose it all, and then he gains it again. But he also does more than that. He really captured a really no, good it, persona of a yeah. family man who. I mean, he's conducting a war. At a soccer game. Yeah. I can't get over that. <laughs> he actually, he actually <laughs> has a very small part. He's mm -hmm. not on screen that often. Mm -hmm. DiCaprio's definitely the... This is DiCaprio's film. ...focal point. Yeah. And he does a great job with this. He really... The kind of the... He apologizes when he needs to, and you feel that he has some regret for some of the things that he has to do. But at the same time, it never... He's never really the spy, which always annoys me in spy movies, the spy who goes like against the CIA, like suddenly decides, no, what they're doing to the people is wrong, and I'm yeah. going to fight for the people. That almost always annoys me, because then there's this sense that you're kind of being a jerk to your own country again. <laughs> well, and he's not afraid to, I mean, he follows orders. He mm -hmm. kills innocent people. Because that's what he's supposed to do. And so he's not, like, like you say, he's not this spy that has this sense of honor or anything. He's, like, actually seems like a CIA agent who does things that I are morally like sense of honor. Yeah. He does, and you, but he still follow A CIA agent wouldn't, if was told to kill somebody, wouldn't be like, no, that's wrong. And they would do it. it. Yeah. You know. That's they might, and you they, can see that it affects him. You know what you said? Yeah. He has that sense of honor. He doesn't like that he has to do it. And eventually, at the end of the movie, right, he quits. But when he's ordered to do it, he does it. Yeah. It seems to me like he's, he's, he's trying to get to a point where he feels like he's done something worthwhile, that all this has been worth something mm -hmm. in the long run. And then he gets out. Like yeah. after the Jordanian Secret Service captures whoever that, the Al-Qaeda... Um, like he feels okay to get out now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for me, I was thinking about this. I was thinking as far as uh, Ridley Scott films, because Ridley Scott has done fantastic films, just amazing ones. Um, for me, this doesn't, like, you know, like I said, it's, it's kind of forgettable. Um, but I still think it's good. This is not like, um, say, like something like A Good Year or Robin Hood, which I think are not very good. I haven't seen A Good Year, but... Yeah. But I think this this would go, for me, more in line with something like, um, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but with something like American Gangster and Matchstick Men. Um, uh. Whereas I'm saying it's not as good as... Like Gladiator, Blade Runner, Alien. There was one other I was thinking of that he had done that I just... Oh, Black Hawk Down. So to me, those are his top four. Alien, Blade Runner, Black Hawk Down, and Gladiator. 
See, I probably put this about with Black Hawk Down. So better than you, you guys are gonna think that I really don't like Black Hawk Down. No, no. <laughs> when I when I went to the theater and watched Black yeah. Hawk Down, I had an experience mm -hmm. with that movie. I don't think I blinked for like an hour and a half. That movie was like such a visceral experience to me. So I loved it. I don't think it's a perfect movie. Um, but this this one I think is about on par with that in terms of. Um, maybe in terms of the genre, closer to the genre. Okay, okay. I would put this below Black Hawk Down, though, because there... With Black Hawk Down, I felt riveted. Mm -hmm. This, I didn't. And, again, it's not to the detriment of the directing or the acting. Maybe it's just the genre. I'm not sure, but I didn't feel riveted. And, actually, Ridley Scott's very good at that, all his films. Um, did you see Spy Game? No. It's a Tony Scott film, but... That's Tony Scott. Well, yeah. Yeah. But it's the similar... The espionage genre. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Brad, thought, uh, Robert Ritter. Yeah, that one stood out to me, I think, a little bit more than other espionage films. I don't know why I just thought... Yeah, that's an interesting comparison. Robert Redford has almost the... Somewhat the Russell Crowe's kind of character in Spy Game. Mm -hmm. Somewhat. Not as much. But... So you would put it below Black Hawk Down. Yeah. But well, where would you put like Rid, Rid, How's your Ridley Scott canon? How does that? Because I, I, you're putting it even with Black Hawk Down, and you're putting it below. But I don't know for you where does Black Hawk Down sit in the rest of Ridley Scott's films? I'm trying to think. Black Hawk Down's pretty high for me. Mm -hmm. um, not. I mean, obviously, Alien, uh, Gladiator, even Matchstick Men would be above. Matchstick. Would be above. Um, I'm trying to think of other. I actually liked Robin Hood a little more than you did. Mm -hmm. uh, it wouldn't be above this. Yeah. Just because it never. I agree that it never really felt like it got going. But. I'd say this was maybe. You know, high middle. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. Well, uh, there's. There's the ones that I consider classics. Yeah. Mm -hmm. right. Like we said, Alien, Blade Runner, Gladiator, to me, Blade Runner yeah. are classics. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen Thelma and Louise or um, Legend. Uh, <laughs> no one's going to argue that Legend is a classic. Okay. Okay. Legend it's okay. is a classic. Um, <laughs> it has unicorns, okay? And Tom Cruise. And how Tom is, Cruise. Wait, how is that? <laughs> you... You rail on Tom Cruise, and then we talk about Legend, and Legend is the Tom Cruise film that you defend? <laughs> that one? That Legend, movie? I do not get you. Sir. I watched Legend over and over and over as a kid. Well, then you have a problem. So, it was brilliant when I was, like, I don't know, very, very young. I don't know how old I was. Tom Cruise is embarrassed about that movie. <laughs> And then there's the, what I would say are, are movies that he's done that are excellent, like American Gangster, mm -hmm. excellent quality, Mastic Men, mm -hmm. Black Hawk Down, and then just below that is something like, what was this movie? Body of Lies. Body of Lies. See, it's forgettable. <laughs> no, I told no, you. no, no. Here's the thing. I just saw State of Play, which is another Russell Crowe movie, Russell Crowe movie. which is Similar also title. sort of, uh, there's an espionage plot in that one, 
So state of play, body of lies, Russell Crowe. I just That's I can't good. Finish it. Body of lies. Yeah. yeah. Where are you? Where'd you put this? I would put I would put this with uh, American Gangster and Matchstick Man. Really? Maybe like probably like right below them. Hmm. Um, but like you know you you have your kind of your your sort of top tier. Yeah. yeah. And my top tier includes Black Hawk Down with Alien, Blade Runner, and Gladiator. Okay. I think um, that, I think for me that yeah. could happen, but it hasn't happened yet. Mm -hmm. And I've only seen Black Hawk Down once, so that could have yeah. something to do with it. Yeah. But the thing about Black Hawk Down. I, I really, I didn't like the ending. Uh, Eric Bana has a speech at the end, yeah. and it just felt so like he was reading it right off the page. So that ending was kind of like, the movie was so amazing up to that point. And I was like, that was a really awful monologue. So, what about Leonardo DiCaprio's performance in this? Uh, because one of his better, really? Yeah, it's good. I mean, there's not much for him. I mean, there's some nice little subtle touches that he that he pulls off, um, but this performance doesn't ask him to really stretch his acting ability. Yeah. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't give a lot for him to do. Yeah, but mind you, I, I don't. I don't want to downplay that and say that because it is. It's very good. Yeah. It's a very, like you said, the performances are great, but when we talk about him, this is not maybe like Catch Me If You Can, mm, yeah, um, which is just an awesome performance by him. Um, probably not even, I really like Gangs in New York, probably not Gangs in New York, or maybe The Departed Level, I don't, I, I don't Departed, know. Inception. Inception, he's really good in. What's, even What's Eating see, Gilbert Grape? What what's, yeah. But from what it does do for me is well, it confirm, really reconfirms for me that he's been on kind of a. <laughs> we'll get to that. He's been on a a Don't streak of like ten it's years, <laughs> ten years of uh, of just amazing films. If he's kind yeah. of coming to his own and he's establishing himself, we've said this. Uh, the actor the of, of the generation. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't like the beach either. No. Everybody, you know, they all. They have their bad movies. Yeah. I don't know if that was so much his fault he's directing, but... So it's firmly on Danny Boyle's shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. No, but I thought this, this was a good... I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't say... I wouldn't put this up there with his performance in Cash if you can. I thought Shutter Island, he gave one of his best performances. Yes, yeah. Shutter Island. I don't think Conception was a... is in the great performance category for him. It's one of his best movies. Mm -hmm. But not one of his best performances. Really? Yeah. Huh. I, I, I sort of touched on when we talked about Inception last week. It, it was a little overshadowed by Shutter Island. Yeah. Um, but I think I feel like in Inception he spent a lot of time on exposition, which is kind of necessary. Mm -hmm. Like we talked about that last week, so I don't want to get into it too much. Yeah. But um, I just feel like what he did in Shutter Island was so far beyond what he did in Inception. See, I think he's really good at playing, taking a kind of a cliched character and playing them with enough subtlety to make them complex. Even in this, Body of Lies, yeah. the, character, the character type, the CIA agent who has mm -hmm. moral problems, is, you know, is a cliched 
I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of movies. Um, but he's able to do it, give enough subtlety to it where it seems fresh. Um, I don't think he was, the role is, the, I mean, this character is kind of flat, so flat that even he couldn't elevate it. But uh, I think in Inception, he was able to give that character a level of depth that maybe wasn't there in the script. And that's, that's what he's really good at, I think. I'd agree with that, because I see that a lot in, um, I see the other performance we didn't talk about is The Aviator. He's great yeah. The Aviator. Yeah, that's one of his best, Um He's amazing in that. Um, and then the other thing I was thinking of, which he did get nominated for, but it's probably not, I mean, the performance, but Blood Diamond, him and uh, Digimon Houston really take that film and put it on their shoulders. Gem and Hansu. Did you call him Digimon? I call him Digimon. That's <laughs> his like real name. Listen, we're close, okay? And Digimon is not a Pokemon. It's oh. a completely separate mythology. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. yeah, it's a completely separate game. Come on. Oh, okay. Please. <laughs> How do you pronounce it? Jimon. Jimon. Hansu. Jimon Hansu. Oh, that's so much better I'm than what I've been saying. not calling Digimon now. Yeah, Jimon. <laughs> the Jimon Hansu, yeah. Which I'm, a, I'm a professional celebrity name pronouncer. That's yeah. what I do. That's, that's awesome. It's been hours. But it's pretty much him and DiCaprio. Jaimon. Yeah. Jaimon. I just look in a mirror and I have a picture of the actor there. And then Jaimon. Yeah. Even though I have a lot of problems with Blood Diamond. I'm just ignoring your I love things. Blood Diamond. Yeah. I will. I haven't seen it. I really have a lot of. There's, there's moments in that movie when he, his character has been getting along with Jaimans and all of a sudden is then something gets mad at him. And so the dynamic of the film never seems consistent to me. It seems really like kind of jerky. Like it's suddenly it'll there'll be an intense moment, slow moment, intense moment, slow moment, and they just kinda of creep up on you and it's not I don't know. How did you feel about his uh, Afrikaner accent? It's it's pretty good. It's fine. I wasn't bothered by it. I don't know. I've never thought about it. It's fine. How's your Afrikaner accent, Steve? I don't know what an Afrikaner accent is. South Africa. South Africa. He took a lot of he took a lot of flack for the South African accent. Well, you shouldn't be so mean to autistic people. I'm sorry. It's his autism that gives him the edge. It is his yeah, autism is. that gives him the edge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, best autistic actor out there. They don't look you in the eyes, but they're yeah. very good studies of human behavior. That's true. Yeah, so amazing. I think it's so cool how far he's brought himself. Especially um, from Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> so Titanic, you can tell he's autistic. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they just couldn't get him down off that, that yeah. boat. <laughs> Leo, down, please like, come, come down. down. Yeah. Um, strong grip. Yeah. yeah. Something, actually, something that I was impressed with that we haven't talked about is uh, Mark Strong's character. Oh, yeah, Mark Strong. If you ha wouldn't have said anything when we first saw him, you said, oh, look, it's Mark Strong. I would not have, I doubt if I would have known that was Mark Strong. I ruined the illusion for you. Yeah, completely ruined it. He wasn't, he... I knew it was Mark Strong, and I was actually disappointed at first. Yeah. Not because it was Mark Strong, but because it wasn't an Arab actor. 
Because it wasn't, and up until then, they had all been. Yeah, and that's actually a big step oh, this movie takes. That was really cool. Yeah, yeah. it's almost all air actors except um, for Armstrong. But by the end, I completely bought him as mm -hmm. an air actor. So. Yeah, his performance was. He did, he did fantastic. a really good job. Yeah. He really disappears into the character, and which I, which is always the best thing you can do. Yeah. When, because I keep wanting to, when I want to call the character by its name and not by the actor. I keep wanting, wanting to call him Hani. I don't want to say Mark Strong. Whereas I still say Leonardo DiCaprio and Russell Crowe. I don't say Roger Ferris and Ed Hoffman. Yeah. You know? I really like Mark Strong. and um, I was actually glad to see him in that role. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, and this movie's two years old too, but uh, lately he's been, I'm afraid he's stuck in the villain role. Yeah. Um, I mean, the first time I... No, I knew about him was in Rock and Roller, and that was I think, I think that was the same year. I hate saying the title of that movie. Rock and Roller. Yeah, because I want to say Rock and Roller. I want to enunciate it, but because he, I mean, he played a, he played a gangster in that film, but it was a very, it was a more nuanced role too. Yeah. Um, and then what was he in? He was in a, well, he was in Robin Hood, mm -hmm. playing the villain. He was in. Kick ass playing the villain. Mm -hmm. And he was in one Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes playing the villain. Yeah. Villain. I mean, he, he always does it. He, he's a great actor. So it's not like they just all blend together, but um, I'd like to see him. Yeah, you want to see. Yeah, I don't want to see me typecast as a villain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this, he did a really good job of pushing himself outside of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think in general, we all. I am actually happy. There's a part of me that's kind of like, oh, I didn't have to watch Salt today. <laughs> yes. So, those of you, you know, who are watching and suddenly were expecting Salt, I apologize, but I really liked Body of Life. Because have such high expectations. Yeah. I enjoyed this. It's, I'm, it's definitely a far better movie than Salt would have been. Mm -hmm. I can, <laughs> I can, I'll put, I put money on that. Yeah. And he, you know, the other thing, this was a movie that I was, I kind of wanted to watch, yeah. but I've never gotten around to, because there's always been, there's a lot of other movies that I haven't seen that I really should, mm -hmm. but we sat down, none of us have seen this, so I really, I think that this was actually really, really good. I was mm -hmm. really, really surprised. It's a good experience. We've all grown. Yes. Yeah. We should experience do mad hugs. Do any of you guys want to share anything else about how you have grown? <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, this morning I was disappointed that I got up early so that I could go see Salt uh, at a discount price, and uh, now I, uh, I'm happy. Mm -hmm. So you've grown. So I've grown because I. Because you woke up early. Seeing your Ridley Scott movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the other thing it reignites. It makes me want to go back and watch some less known Ridley Scott things that he's done. <laughs> but yeah. probably not. Um, but so that's about it. We'll move on to the next segment, and uh, all done. Okay. Yeah. Now we're going to add Body of Lies to our Flickchart account. If you go to flickchart.com, our profile name is Incidental Dog, and. Uh, Every week we add our new movie to our Flickchart account.
we rank it against whatever random movies pop up against it. So we're gonna go ahead and do that now. Do <laughs> it. Do it. Right. Ooh, Reckoning for a Dream versus Body of Blackness. This is interesting because we had been discussing previously either watching The Wrestler was the other movie that none of us had seen. Right. So we were wondering, should Not we watch like Ridley Scott or Darren Aronofsky? So this is an interesting little coincidence. And I, I actually really like, except for I hated The Fountain, but uh, I do like Darren Aronofsky. So. I, I, I think for me, Requiem is a better movie than Body of Lies. Yeah, yeah. I think I like it a lot better. It just, it really, I mean, it establishes that idea of being completely on drugs and just losing that, control. Just, yeah. Oh. Is it accurate? Huh? Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't you know. You know, I'm just, I, on your own experiences, is it accurate? Is what I'm asking. Uh, <laughs> my mom might watch this. No. Am I not supposed to ask you that? No. Um, no, I've, I've never had drugs. I have no idea. <laughs> never had drugs? No. You don't no. even take Advil? No, I don't take Advil. That's cheating. I just handle so, the pain. Tom Requiem? I'm Tom Requiem. Uh, Requiem is one I need to watch again. But okay. I still would pick Requiem over Body of Lies. Yeah. So next one is uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail versus Body of Lies. This is easy for me. It's just poor Body yeah. of Lies just keeps getting kicked around. But yeah. yeah. It's, it's too bad because it's not a terrible movie or anything. Mm -hmm. It's a good movie. Right. But yeah, Monty Python and Holy Grail is much, you're more, much more memorable movies up against it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot more just fun to watch. I think you've, you, you've mentioned this before. Monty Python's like well shot. I've never yeah. really noticed it's that. It's good filmmaking. Yeah. It's, it's like a shoestring budget, but the things that they pull off are really. Yeah. That, see, when you say that, that makes me want to go back and watch because I've always just figured it's just like shoddy. Just Crap. Oh, yeah. it's just it's just one of the best movies to quote for sure. Yeah, but mm -hmm. it's also good filmmaking. So, uh, so I have to go Monty Python over that. And yeah. last we got what do you got? Body of Lies versus Die Hard Two. Mm -hmm. I would go with Body of Lies. I hate the sequels to Die Hard, except for the most recent, the uh, Live Free or Die Hard. That's the most recent one, right? I thought you hadn't seen Die Hard Three. You haven't seen Die Hard with a Vengeance, have you? Oh, yeah. So basically, you just hate Die Hard, too. The basic idea. But even the, the Live Free or Die Hard, I, I didn't like it, but it was tolerable. It's got some really cool I, action scenes. And they blow so up. So does Die Hard, too. Die Hard, too, has some good action scenes. I, just, I, I, think, I think it's just the premise of this almost exact same scenario keeps happening to this person over and over and over. Right. I don't like that. I and, they, and they have that in-movie commenting on that. Yeah. Too. So they, How can the same shit happen to the same... Twice. I just have a hard time with that. I, I don't have a hard time with it with like James Bond or but this guy is. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I just I don't I don't like no, Die Hard yeah. too. If this was the first Die Hard, it would be easier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Body of Lies, Body of Lies, Die Hard too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that places Body of Lies at where? One thirty-seven. One thirty-seven. And that pretty, just yeah. tells you we need to get more movies on there. <laughs> I mean, not that it's a bad movie. Once again, I feel like one thirty-seven. Is hot. Is so high uh, for it. Yeah. So now we're just gonna do some random rankings. Um, so Monty Python and the Holy Grail mm -hmm. versus Harry Potter and the Order the of the Phoenix. Order of Phoenix, which is one of the ones I have seen. This is the one you have seen. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but I would definitely go Monty Python over Harry Potter. Yeah. Really? I would actually go with Harry Potter. Uh, no, I, w I would go Monty Python because I mean, or Order of the Phoenix is we start getting the director David Yates. It's definitely a lot better than uh, Goblet of Fire. 
butt, which I just hate. I Let me get get that. my hate on out there. My I hate like rate on Goblet of Fire. It's got Robert Pattinson. It's terrible. No, See, when, I, when I get one of the Harry Potters that I've seen, which is mm -hmm. the first one in this one, um, I can only compare it as its own film. I, yeah. I don't compare it to the rest of the series because I don't know the series. So just on its own merits and out of context, I enjoyed it, but I don't remember it. I don't hardly remember anything about it. Really. I feel like he just made fun of our choices. I feel I, like he just discounted our choices. I said your choices don't count because you guys. No, you might have a more. You might have a more informed. Oh, okay. Okay. Than I do. All right. I, yeah. See, I'm trying to think of it out of context, and I don't think I can. It's with hard these, with these yeah. films because they're like Lord of the Rings. They're almost mm -hmm. one film. Um, I mean, if, I just feel like the Harry Potter film has. I don't want to say more substance, but... It might, though. It might have more yeah, substance. I mean, Holy There's Grail more... is a classic. Yeah, it is a classic. But There's not a lot of substance to it, but that's the point. The yeah. Harry Potter series is also classic. Um, and this is one of the better ones this in the series. This is the top one. This, this, not the top, but this is... So, I think Half-Blood Prince, the more and more I think about it, is the best one. I keep forgetting that one even came out. Yeah, that one's fantastic. That one's it is very good. Really, really good. Um, so, but I think the for ending me, is frustrating. The ending so, are you two going to make an actual decision? Uh, Monty Python for me. For you? In, in oh, and you too. Monty, oh, Python. Monty Python. Oh, well, what you led me to believe you're going to pick Harry Potter? Oh no! No, completely deceived me. Got my hopes up. And then you're like, no, I do feel betrayed. If what I was saying is, if it was Half Blood Prince. It would be a much, or even Prisoner of Azkaban, it would be a much harder decision for me. Uh, if it was six or three. Okay. So we got another Ridley Scott. Oh, we here. didn't even talk about Kingdom of Kingdom Heaven. Kingdom of Heaven. We talked about Ridley Scott. Kingdom of... Body of Light is probably about as good as Kingdom of Heaven. Kingdom of Heaven versus Walk the Line? Yeah. Kingdom of Heaven versus Walk the Line. Kingdom of Heaven is better, I think. Uh, well... I don't know, which version did you see? Did you see the three theatrical or the... I didn't know there was more than one version. There's a... Director's cut that apparently has more of a story to it, like an arc. I, uh, but I, I didn't see it in the theater, so. No. You know, Walk the Line has been hurt somewhat by night and days, like plotting me mediocrity. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. Day? Yeah. Because it's the same director? Because it's the same director. Or because so like, it's how dare you? Woman on the if, you know, if, if you're a director and you make a bad movie, it hurts all the rest of your movies. And no, there's just nothing we can do I think do it's about. actually been hurt by Joaquin Phoenix's psychotic <laughs> breaks. Yeah. Because um, I do, I have a hard time seeing him, even in signs, now without seeing that David Letterman interview. It is, it so. is hard to do it, but you're... You're but, right. but his I performance in Gladiator is okay, because well, crazy that's anyway. awesome. Yeah, actually. <laughs> I think I'd actually go walk the line on this one. I, think I, I, I really I really liked Kingdom of Heaven a yeah. lot more than other people did. But I would probably go walk the line, yeah. Walk the line's more. Yeah. Kingdom of Heaven, people were expecting Gladiator again. It doesn't live up to that. But it's still it's a good movie. It's still good, it's, yeah. It is good. It's there was criticism good. that it didn't have much of a plot arc. Which, Kingdom of Heaven? Yeah. Which I, I agree with. I thought back on it, I was like, mm -hmm. yeah, they're really... Nothing really. And his speech at the end, I there's nothing worse than an inspirational speech that falls flat. Well, it's Orlando Bloom. Yeah, that I mean, was he, he can be mm -hmm. good, but I, I think this was too soon for him to have this yeah. kind of role. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And Walk the Line's a great performance movie too. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, oh. Beauty and the Beast versus A History of Violence. This is tough. Really? This isn't tough for me at all. This is History of Violence. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm probably going to end I mean, up boiling down to picking A History of Violence, but Beauty and the Beast is... That kind of like reinvigorated Disney almost. The, out of all the I Disney think, animated films, I think Beauty and the Beast is yeah. the, the best. The, it's Little my Mermaid, favorite. Not, yeah, you're right. Little Mermaid um, probably reinvigorated it. Beauty and the Beast is wonderful. But the Lion King's actually my favorite, but Beauty and the Beast I think is the best musically. Yeah. Uh, but History of Violence is just an amazing movie. So it's going to be Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, it is. But there's, I don't know. I just I love History of Violence. See, this to me, this is like two four-star movies going up against each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, these it's are both in such mind. separate. I think, I think these are this, both in my top. You know what is? This, they're both very good films. So what it comes down to for me is which one would I rather watch if they're in front of me right now? And it's History of Violence easily. Which one would you rather watch if your daughter was sitting next to you in front of you right now? <laughs> <laughs> History of Violence, obviously. they got to learn. They have to learn. Yeah. yeah, and History of Violence is one of my... They have to learn. My favorite movies of all time. These That's are both two of my, my, two my favorite movies ever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, a History of Violence. But, yeah. I think because... I think Beauty and the Beast has the... One of my... Some, sometimes when, when there are two that are so good, one of my criteria is, like, classic status. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I will go with Beauty and the Beast over this. Over well, you're overruled to this right now. It does matter. You know, he's allowed to dissent. And it's taking its sweet, precious time. Yeah, it does its sweet time. time. Flip chart. What's our time like? Uh, Alright, we got Forrest Gump versus Bean John Malkovich. It'll be our last one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this will be our last ranking. Uh, Although it's an easy one for me. Yeah, Forrest Gump. Easily. I really dislike being John Malkovich, which I, I love. Uh, for some reason, I can't remember his name right now. John Charlie Kaufman? Not John. Charlie Kaufman, yeah. John Cusack? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> eh, his performance in this is awesome. His performance of being John Malkovich is really good. It is, yeah. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't like... This is Charlie Kaufman at his most cynical, and I don't, I did not enjoy it at all. And so, and Forrest Gump is actually on the complete other end of the spectrum. Being yeah. John it seems like I should love that movie, just because, because I, I love those weird yeah. existential mm -hmm. movies yeah, that Charlie Kaufman I do too. does. Um, but it didn't do anything for me. Like by the end, I was just, I don't know. And it, it doesn't. I would, because it doesn't seem to. My trouble is it doesn't seem to end. It's just kind of... The ending is... Depressing. Depressing, really creepy. And he's looking out from a young girl's mind onto his mind. It's disturbing and cynical. But... And yet, at the same time, it's such an original, wild kind of... There's so many of these little quirky, weird things that I really enjoy. But we haven't talked... For some reason, I see it a lot here on Flipchart. There seems to be this growing bashing of Forrest Gump. I don't know where it's coming from. Oh, that's, really? that's been there for a while. Yeah. Really? I love yeah. Forrest Gump. It's an amazing it's, movie. It's an amazing performance. Well, here's it does historical by, like, the huge, you know, entire person's lifetime and capturing all different time periods of Americana. That's amazing. one of the criticisms about it. <laughs> is that it captures... One of the criticisms about it is that he's... They, they put the character in so many of these historical 
moments that it gets to be unbelievable. Well, it's, it's magical the, realism. Right, so yeah. that's the point of the movie, yeah. is, is that they're taking this very simple-minded man, and we're looking at this stretch of American history through his eyes. Mm -hmm. So he's going to be not instrumental, necessarily, but incidental yeah. to um, these great moments in American history. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, meeting John Lennon and meeting um, all the presidents. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, I think it, I, I, I dig it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. Yeah, it's but you're right, this is like two, two ends of the cynicism spectrum because yeah. Forrest Gump doesn't have a cynicism. A cyn cynical. Cynical. Cynicistic. Yeah. <laughs> is that cynicistical? Might, might be a surgery to remove that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a medical problem. And it's funny because I was going to say bone. A cynical bone in its body. Yeah. Um, Being John Malkovich is... Just pure cynicism. Mm -hmm. And as far as I'm concerned. But yeah, Forrest Gump. I watched that movie and I feel like that's one of those movies that makes me remember why I love movies. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. Oh, yeah. So. And it's quotable. We're still going to all... You know, in the end, we're going to quote, and people are going to remember Forrest Gump. And I love all the characters. You might remember being John Malkovich, but I suspect it's probably going to be film critics and film lovers. remember as Charlie Kaufman's first film. Yeah. Uh, Lieutenant Dan? Yeah. I don't think that was his first film. His first uh, screenplay. He right? wrote Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, which was before that. Was, that. No, that was after. That was after. Is that after that? Confessions yeah. was 02. This was ninety nine, yeah. Yeah. Well, so that yeah, I guess it was. I think he'd been working, but I think this was his first this major his yeah. Yeah. feature film. Okay. So Alright. Forrest Gump. So we're definitely going Forrest Gump over. Forrest Gump. Being John Malkovich. And uh, that's the end of our flick chart segment. Um, if you are interested in flick chart, there is the official podcast of Flick Chart is Flick Fights, and there are links on flickchart.com and we suggest you to check it out because it's a cool podcast. So next week we're going to see Dinner for Schmucks, unless we can find um, Get, Low. Get Low. Get Low. Yeah, which mm -hmm. we're looking forward to, but it's not playing anywhere in our area, so it's not looking good. Um, Dinner for Schmucks, directed by Jay Roach, who also did the Austin Powers series. Um, and Meet the Parents. Meet the, meet the Fockers. Mm -hmm. um, he didn't actually do Meet the Parents, he just did Meet the Fockers. I think. Thought he directed Meet the Parents. I thought he directed Meet the Parents. Check again. Uh, I'm pretty sure he directed Meet the Parents. Yeah. But it also stars uh, Steve Carell and Paul Brad. Oh. Yeah, see right there. In your face. Number seven. Meet the Parents. Okay, you're right, yeah. See, I like his first movies better than his second movies. Uh, so. so, also Steve Carell, Paul Rudd, um, and it's sort of a via, uh, almost buddy comedy vehicle for them. Uh, Nate, man. Are you looking forward to this? Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Um, and some of the main the main reasons are not so much the director, but Steve Carell for the most part, and Paul Rudd. And I've been getting into Zach Galifianakis and his comedy, who's also in it, and has Jermaine Clement from Flight of the Concords. Mm -hmm. um, but Steve Carell is also just. I mean, we've all most of us have seen him in. The office, um, but he's an amazing actor, and it's a travesty that he hasn't won an Emmy for The Office yet. Yeah. Um, and comedian, because he not. He's hilarious. He's not. Too. 
has not won an Emmy for that. Yeah, he's he's amazing, and he he has this way of imparting depth into comedic characters that I haven't seen in an actor in a long time. Like you, and he can do that with a lot of his movies. He can put a lot more, and he can pull off a joke like nobody else. Um, and Paul Rudd, at the same time, is great as that when it looks like that sarcastic kind of straight man. But I, some, somehow I get the sense that there's more to this movie than just a goofy dinner. And that it, there's something more there. That there's... Well, I'm hoping. I'm, I'm really I hoping. So. And I, I get the feeling that there is. That Steve Carell seems like a smart enough actor. Sometimes he does just... I don't know. I didn't see Date Night this year. Yeah, but I didn't see it either. I did. I, I'm hoping. I have my fingers. And with all I these really, people in it, I really I like Paul Rudd. He's hilarious. He's a hilarious actor. Um, ever since Clueless. Yeah, ever Clueless. since Clueless, I thought he's great. Um, I really, lo I love Steve Carell. Mm -hmm. He's. I think he's even in his bad movies. He's funny. Yeah, he's he's fun to watch. Definitely. Um, I like the premise because it allows. It's a great premise to bring a bunch of. Like you said, Jermaine Clement, Clement, who I love, is great. Everything he's done. Um, Zach Galifianakis, that I love. Um, it lets people, comedians, so, do their shtick. Yeah, I'm still not the director. His track record, Austin Powers, Meet the Parents, Meet the Fathers, which I'm not a huge fan of. Well, you you um, make a good point with his track record. His first movies. Yeah, I I like the first Austin Powers. Uh, I like I like Meet the Parents, but on both of those I felt like the sequels just like the Spy Who Shagged Me was. I mean, it had some funny stuff, but there's too much in it that's just not likable. You know, it's not watchable. I have high expectations for comedies anyway. Uh, I don't like well, farce. I don't like. Um, The genre we were just talking about a few minutes ago. Uh, spoof. Spoof. Yeah. I, I don't like slapstick. I'm not a big physical comedy person in general. Um, yeah, I'm so, not either. So. I like it. I, Plus, I, I mean, if, if it's well done. Yeah, it can I mean, like, be well done. I love Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. But very few people can pull off physical comedy like Charlie Chaplin. Yeah, and it can be done well. It's just rarely, rarely is. Well, the problem the problem is that uh, they Stephen go for Chow. it. They go for it. Yes, yeah, Stephen, Stephen Chow. Chow. Yeah, Stephen Chow. they go for it so often in these movies. Yeah, and I just I don't like broad comedies. Is my thing. yeah, and I don't think there's anything worse than watching a bad comedy. That's like, true. I could watch a bad sci-fi and enjoy it. A comedy that I'm not laughing at and I'm not enjoying. Yeah. Watching somebody try to be funny and failing spectacularly. It's painful. Yeah. And there's almost no redeeming. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay. Well, is there? It might be good. It, yeah. It could be. It. It has potential for being really funny because it's basically bringing together some of the funniest comedians. Or and uh, comedic actors in Hollywood right now, mm -hmm. um, and letting them do their stuff. and letting them do their thing. Mm -hmm. uh, if, if you keep going down, this cast is amazing. The cast is really good. Yeah. Yeah. 
Bruce Greenwood is in it. He's Bruce Greenwood. Larry Wilmore is he's actually Wilmore. really funny. Ron Livingston. Ron Livingston. Mm -hmm. Office Space. Mm -hmm. uh, All right. What else? I, well, we can forgive the fact that Jeff Dunham's in it. Yeah. Oh, Jeff Dunham's in it. He's funny. Although but he's I don't got, know. you know, he's got about the only part he could possibly play in yeah. this, which is a ventriloquist. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but it, it looks like it could. Lucy Punch. Flat. Yeah. But yeah, it, it is the kind of thing that it, it could. This is either going to be a train wreck, or no, that's not true. It could be mediocre. Well, here's, here's, here's the thing about Steve Carell. I love Steve Carell. But anytime I've watched one of his comedy movies that's like a, a major, like, you know, a broad comedy, mm -hmm. it's it just gets smart. I've had really great comedic moments, but as a movie, I mean, yeah. like it, Date yeah. Night, I felt the same way. Date Night was worse than Get Smart. Really? And the only thing I think he's good at the, the playing. What he's great at is playing the straight man. He and Tina Fey he had some great. Funny. He and Tina Fey had some great moments in that movie, which is probably all credit to them. Yeah. Because that movie's script was terrible, and it did not play to either of their strengths either. So. Okay. So this I'm a little worried about, yeah. but the trailers have been kind of. Making me smile. So yeah, they've gotten better and better. Yeah. As a, a, a so hopefully, if if the whole movie is as enjoyable as that. Well, that's all for this week of Incidental Dog Movie Podcast. Um, you can check out our website, incidentaldog.com. Uh, check out our flip chart account, which is also Incidental Dog. Um, and next week we'll be back with Dinner for Schmucks. Thank you.